Welcome to Leading on Purpose with Nicole Bendeley. What does it take to lead yourself and your teams to high performance with ease? Today, you'll discover simple practices that separate exceptional leaders from the rest. Now, here is your host, Nicole Bendeley. Hi there, I'm Nicole Bendeley. Welcome to this episode of Leading on Purpose. You know, in this age of hyperconnectivity, the pandemic has only amplified our addiction to technology and created an even greater number of distractions for teams, especially those working from home. From Zoom to Slack to emails to social media, there are enough digital distractions to significantly impact both your team's productivity and their well being. So, to put this into perspective, I did a little research. And according to Gloria Mark, and Gloria studies digital distractions at the University of California, once a person is distracted, it typically takes over 23 minutes to refocus their attention back on the original task. In other words, 20 seconds to send a quick message or to check an email can be a staggering loss of almost 25 minutes in productivity. So think about that for a second. Think about the number of times you've stopped today alone to check your phone because it pinged, to hop onto Facebook or to check Instagram or to respond to an email that really wasn't that important. Multiply that by 25. That's how much productivity you've lost just today. And as far as team member well-being, Mark's research also has shown that distraction can lead to higher stress and take an emotional toll. And that's stress and an emotional toll on top of the stress that we are experiencing as a result of this pandemic, as a result of the change that has impacted the way in which we work. And during a time when social media has increased by 70% as a result of the pandemic, it is more imperative than ever that you support your team members in effectively navigating through these distractions and supporting them in remaining focused, in building their well-being and managing their stress and building their engagement. So what can you do to help your team? Well, that's where my guest, Alex Kwame, CEO of Pathlight, is going to help. Pathlight is the only performance management platform that brings data and people together to power daily team performance. Pathlight empowers customer-facing teams to achieve their goals by bringing performance intelligence, coaching, and communications tools together in one place. And before Pathlight, Alex was the founder or the co-founder of SeatMe, which was acquired by Yelp in 2013. Alex is also an active investor and advisor in Silicon Valley for a number of fast-growing startups. Alex, welcome. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. You know, I'm always um, curious. Uh, You know, my show is called Leading on Purpose. So I'm very curious about an individual's purpose from a leadership perspective. So what motivated you to start Pathlight? Let's start there. What motivated you to start Pathlight? So uh, we started Pathlight uh, with a very easy, there was a very uh, instant inspiration. And, and uh, I think every, a lot of your listeners um, understand this and feel this, but at some point you become a manager and you are surprised by how hard managing is. Um, 
management is the job we never prepare for. Um, and it's also the job we very rarely get trained for um, or effectively trained for. And so uh, my co-founder and I, we had started our first company, Seat Me. Um, and, you know, you start hiring people uh, and very quickly you start managing people. And I remember, uh, I think I was 23 at the time, and I remember being prepared for all of the other hardships of being in a startup. It's going to be hard to build products. It's going to be hard to get customers. It's going to be hard to, to raise money. It's going to be hard to do partnerships. And management was not on that list. It was the one thing that I, I, I didn't expect, nor did I prepare for. And I think every new manager feels that. And so, you know, we, we, we went through that pain and we reinvented the wheel like every new manager does. And we read the same books and made the same mistakes and uh, kind of, uh, did that song and dance that every new manager is 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 very familiar with, and then as the company grew, and then as we sold it to Yelp and started managing even more people and started being a party to the management of thousands of people, we just saw that the pain doesn't go away, the problem doesn't go away. Managing ten people is hard. Managing a thousand people is hard. Managing five thousand people is hard. And uh, the pa- the pain level is the same, but the difficulties change. Um, and so we really saw an opportunity there. We saw every other job had beautiful software, multiple generations of software even that people had really thought about uh, very carefully to really supercharge and streamline everyone's job. Uh, managers were kind of left in the dust or management in general um, was not something that had been digitized uh, or productized as, as, as we say. And, so, and, and, and all you would have to do is look at a manager's browser um, and, you know, count the tabs. And that to me is a, is a good sign of whether they've, uh, they have the technology that they need or not. And every single manager, including myself that I spoke to, um, you know, we had 20, 30, 40 tabs of reports and docs and spreadsheets, things to manage performance, things to manage communication. Uh, we were required to kind of do it as manually as possible. And so, um, that was the inspiration, uh, kind of pure personal pain felt over many years. Uh, both of us, uh, both my co-founder and I don't think we are great managers. Uh, I think if we, if we thought we were great managers, we certainly wouldn't have started something. Um, so we needed help and, and our, our solution always is to build technology. And so uh, we, we decided to build a platform to help. I love that. I was laughing because uh, before this uh, episode started, I shut down, I don't know how many browsers, uh, how many windows and tabs, and it was crazy. Uh, talk about distracting, right? And having to manage all of those different things. Um, so you mentioned being a manager. What, how do you differentiate managing versus leading? I'm curious now that you mentioned manager. Sure. Um, I think I'd probably, I'd probably attribute the difference to tactics for strategy. So leading, in my view, is strategic. It's long-term. Um, of course, there's the day-to-day component. Uh, leadership also, to me, implies, again, if you're more strategic, it's more of that top-level, executive-level um, uh, strategic decisions that you're making, although you want to see leadership at, at every level. Um, in, in my view, leadership is more strategic. You're making strategic decisions. And again, I, I'd say like typically that happens at the exec level, but really in the best companies, those leadership posi- uh, decisions are democratized down to the frontline level. Um, 
And then management, in my view, when I think of management, I, I think of daily tactics. Leadership sets the goal uh, not just leadership, the people, but leadership, the act sets the goal, inspires us to hit the goal, uh, gets us what we need and arms us to hit the goal. But management is what actually gets us there. That's the day-to-day uh, tactical instruction and coaching that gets us there. And and I completely agree with that. And it's interesting when you think of managing versus leading, it's really an and, right? Managing and leading. Yep. Which is being more stretched and more affected today in this new world of work where teams are either dispersed or remote or, you know, the hybrid? What's being stretched more, the way in which we manage or the way in which we lead? I, I, both of them are being stretched, as, as, as you implied there. I would say management is being more stretched because management is a daily act. It's an hourly act. It's mm-hmm. happening all the time. And it's how you get us there. You know, leadership, depending on the company, leadership uh, is happening uh, less frequently. And it could even happen weekly, but we can do it in an all You can fit it into an all hands or a memo to the team um, or even in a daily standup. Uh, and so leadership, the leadership touch points, um, I think are still uh, supported in a work from home distributed way. Of course, still challenging for a variety of reasons that we can get into, but management, I think is being totally, not just stretched, but just upended. Uh, it is, uh, it's a totally different game now. Um, and all of, almost all of the things that great managers relied on in the past, they no longer can rely on. And uh, as, as we're all feeling, that's, uh, and then that, those are for great managers, you know, imagine just a new manager. So right. uh, it's just the, these challenges are everywhere and they're, uh, they're really difficult. So tell us a little bit about what that game looks like now for managers versus what it looked like before. And we we chatted before this episode started and you were saying, I loved what you said, managing a team six feet apart right, is hard, let alone, you know, 6,000 miles apart, maybe or six, you know, six miles apart. Um, so tell me is impossible. So tell me more about that. Like, what is the game today? How is it different than it was? So, like I said, I mean, even if we think about great managers and what they were doing, you know, what we were chatting about before, this is great managers in an office environment were the best observers. They were uh, incredibly in tune with their team. They were uh, in tune with the feeling on the floor, the feeling in the office, the energy of their team. They were having in-person meetings and one-on-ones, and they were in tune with the engagement on the uh, positivity or negativity of any teammate. And they use those as triggers to manage. Um, and that's it's an amazing skill uh, and something that um, they should always be uh, proud of. But it's very hard to do that, obviously, in a remote environment. Um, and a lot, of, a lot of managers, I think, uh, so heavily relied on their, uh, you know, their EQ um, that uh, they never strengthened uh, the kind of quantitative management, the data-driven management um, uh, that is incredibly important as well. And uh, right now, what we're seeing is is that uh, that is the main way to to successfully and health. Uh, uh, manage your team in a healthy way. Uh, of course, we've seen the pendulum swing to kind of micromanagement and surveillance. And that is, you know, that is the the worst possible state. Uh, but what you're seeing is people, they, they, they lost their signal, right? They, 
they lost those those uh, obvious intuitive signals that they were getting in the office. And so, uh, some overreacted, they overcorrected. And that's when you started getting the the minute by minute, hour by hour pings, uh, you know, Zoom fatigue, uh, and all of these check-ins, uh, because you know, managers again. I, I don't. Everyone's got great intentions. I, I, no one really meant to micromanage. They just want people to be successful, and this is this is how they're able to get the data now. And so, um, I think. That is one of the biggest things that has changed in this game. Um, and again, that was for a great manager. So for the new manager or the you know the the the, the learning manager who was just getting by, um, now now it's a to- it's a totally different game, and the challenges are harder than ever. So we need to, as managers and leaders, rely more on metrics. And there, you're right. We, as people managers, when we focus on people, we are more driven by attitudes a lot of the time, right? How are they showing up? How are they communicating? How are they making people feel? How are they, how do, are they feeling? And we need to move to a more, we, we're missing that now, right? And so I want to explore in a little bit how, what kind of metrics, how do, do leaders who want to build well-being and productivity and a sense of teamness and camaraderie, what, what are those signals that they need to be measuring now? Um, but first, I really want to explore a little bit around, you know, is working from home going away? We're, we're going to get into, you know, how can we work in this new way as managers and leaders, but do you see it changing anytime soon or is this here to stay? I think what the pandemic has done and what this move to work from home has done is convince many leaders that there is at least some amount of work or some type of work that can very successfully be done at home. I think it very much depends on the company, depends on the leader, depends on the industry. But uh, so many leaders that I know are now convinced uh, they, they, they're, they're not so much as, you know, looking towards being a fully remote company, um, but uh, whereas they were in the uh, bucket of, we'll never be remote, we'll never be distributed, work from home is like an emergency, emergency thing if you have to be at home. They have now realized, hey, there's a certain type of work that really that can be done successfully in a work from home basis. So I'm going to actively look at hybrid situations or ways to be flexible. I'm going to think about having folks in headquarters and maybe having folks outside of headquarters. Um, and so I don't think it's going away. Uh, I think quite a few people, many millions of people will return to the office at some point. Um, but I think this nine to five, five days a week model um, is going to be challenged and changed over the next couple of years. Uh, and I think a lot of us, almost all of us will probably have a work from home element moving forward. I completely agree. And so to that point, then, Alex, this needing to lead and manage in a new way isn't going away. This isn't a temporary, you know, band-aid where we need to lead and learn this, just the basics to get by there is a fundamental shift happening in leadership um, in order to build teams and also organizational cultures outside of four walls, uh, where so much of that culture is built on those face-to-face, physical, interpersonal connections. Um, 
And so given that, you know, how do, because like you said, earlier on in, in this pandemic, we were being bombarded. Team members were being bombarded by check-ins, mostly from their managers, right? Are you seeing an, uh, a plateauing of productivity where, where teams are getting back to the level of productivity they, they were pre-COVID and this shift to work from home? Or where are you seeing productivity now amidst this change and amidst this bombardment of distraction? Well, I think productivity, uh, and again, it depends on the company, but I think productivity levels are, are, are pretty good and have certainly returned to more of a, a mean. I think the real question is, are they, is if you match productivity with employee satisfaction um, or uh, employee happiness, uh, are those levels equal? And I think product, while productivity might be returning to the mean, I don't think employee satisfaction is. And I think- and, and I think uh, one of the biggest reasons, which I'm sure we'll get into later, is communication and distraction um, and uh, the ability uh, to not to, to, to feel connected to your, your team and your company and your manager and your peers, but also the ability um, to uh, get your work done and feel satisfied and turn off um, and, and have a healthy relationship. Uh, with your devices, um, which of course is something we've we've thought about and talked about for for a long time. It, it people are exhausted, right? People are exhausted, and this inability to we do it to ourselves to a degree. The inability to shut down um, and ending. When does the day end, right? When is the end of the workday? And even when you do close your laptop and, and leave your dining room or wherever you might be, um, you have this, it feels like this never ending unfinished to-do list going through your head that keeps you distracted throughout the evening, not to mention all of the technology that distracts you. So when we come back, we will dive into how can we support our teams um, in managing these distractions and building greater well-being and satisfaction throughout their day. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Leading a team today can be hard, but it doesn't have to be a struggle. With Kenco's self-paced e-course, leading high-performance teams, you'll gain everything you need to build the cohesion, communication, and engagement needed for your team to thrive. Right now, save 30% off the e-course. Plus, Nicole, host of Leading on Purpose, is including two coaching sessions with her at no extra charge. Use promo code VA30 when you visit kand.co slash ecourse. That's promo code VA30. Would you like a complimentary strategy session with Leading on Purpose host Nicole Bendeley? Nicole and her team have been making it possible for leaders to achieve exceptional results with ease for over 40 years. Nicole will help you to discover what's getting in your team's way from even better results and will share with you the simple practices that will make a big difference to your performance and theirs. Visit kand.co slash strategy and book your session with Nicole today. That's kand.co slash strategy. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com 
You are tuned into Leading on Purpose with Nicole Bendeley. Find out more about Nicole and her company, K&Co, and check out her suite of leadership tools and resources at kand.co. Now, back to Leading on Purpose. All right, welcome back. Hey, I just wanted to let you all know that... um, at Pathlight's website, pathlight.com, they have a number of articles with some really great tips and tools. I was on there this morning, um, you know, from a manager from HubSpot to, you know, managers at other companies, some frontline managers, everyday managers, and what they're doing to support their teams and, and their workforce. So I really suggest you check out uh, pathlight.com and even uh, sign up for a quick demo so you can see the software for yourself. So before break, Alex made a really good point. He differentiated, you know, productivity is important, but what's most important really at the end of the day is what we really need to pay attention to is satisfaction um, of, of, our, of, our, of our staff. And I, I completely agree with that. And so amidst this daily, what can feel like a struggle for so many working from home, and we want people to be able to thrive, you know, how can Alex leaders help their team members to thrive more amidst all of these distractions and different ways of communicating when people just want to feel a part of a community, want to feel connected to their team members? And in part, that's why we feel so overwhelmed uh, with all of these different mediums. So how can leaders really help rebuild that sense of satisfaction and engagement in their teams? So it's obviously a, a very big question uh, and a very important question. I think the first thing that's most important, uh, and this is this is leadership. Uh, this is one of the core definitions of leadership. Is leaders need to really make sure that their team understands what's expected of them, that ex- expectations are communicated. Again, I'm going to be touching into this feeling of, of being overwhelmed uh, quite a bit because it's the, it's the perfect word, overwhelmed and exhausted. And, 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 and there's a lot of different things that contribute to that. And so the first thing, the basic thing is, is setting expectations, setting goals, and helping people understand what good looks like. People want to be successful. They want to succeed. Uh, they want to grow in their careers. And so helping point them in that direction, which again, I mean, it sounds, sounds obvious, but it's something that is, needs to be repeated uh, every day, every hour, in every meeting, in every all hands, um, and uh, in, in every kind of strategic review. And so setting expectations, incredibly important. And Alex too, sorry to interrupt, but I'm thinking that what good looks like now might be different than what good looked like pre-COVID, right? Or even two months ago as things continue to change. So your point of reconnecting to what good looks like um, and clarifying those expectations, especially as they change and the world around us changes is really important. Exactly. And, and, and when I, when I think of what this concept of what good looks like in setting expectations, you know, the, the, you first think about, okay, well, he's talking about setting goals and, you know, kind of KPIs that we want to hit and, Hey, we want to make this many, you know, deals or the, the, you know, our CSAT should be 4.7 or something like that. But also it's setting expectations for what good looks like from a management, a self-management and communication perspective. And, this, I think, is one of the, the, the largest contributors to a feeling of being overwhelmed. 
when you're in the office, you know that, hey, I can leave my phone at my desk. I can, I can go to the break room. I can, go, I, can, I can go for a walk around the block. You know that if there's an emergency, someone will find you. If your manager needs you, they will find you. Right. And you, ha- you, you, you feel safe in turning things off, even if, even if, it, even if it's, it's for three minutes. Um, we do not have that feeling now remotely. And we feel that every notification could be a critical notification. One of the benefits uh, and one of the downsides of the SaaS proliferation, the software Cambrian explosion we've experienced, everyone decided to add sharing and comments to every application. And so we've had a channel explosion, right? So channels, we've, we're just, we're getting bombarded from so many different channels. And so your team is feeling overwhelmed because they feel like they need to be on top of every single fire hose that's coming at them because they don't know when, you know, the important instruction is going to come. And so one of the things we advise our customers and our partners and things that we try to do internally is there's many things you can do with communication hygiene. The most important thing to do is, is, is set expectations on what good looks like and what, uh, and what communication, um, channels will be used for the uh, for different types of communication. And so the simplest thing you can do is say, hey, if I need to get to hold of you, I'm going to ping you on this channel. I'll send you a Slack. I'll send you an email. I'll put this in the subject line or whatever. Um, if you need to get a hold of me and it's important, this is how you do it. And then even, and even if you just stopped right there, now they know that uh, my most important communication, the stuff that I am concerning myself with and, and making sure that I'm available for, I, it's coming from one place. Um, and that's going to, uh, there are many kind of smaller things there, but that's going to start to unwind um, our need to, to check everything all the time. Communication hygiene. I've never heard that term before, and I'm going to start using it, Alex, because it's Please. beautiful. It's beautiful. It just creates this picture of let's keep it clean. Let's, you know, be clear in how we're going to communicate um, so that we can communicate simply and cleanly. I love that. So clarifying what good looks like, that's a place to start, right? And not just KPIs, how. It's the how, how we're going to work together. Um, What else? What else is needed to rebuild that sense of satisfaction when we're feeling so overwhelmed? So I think, again, let's look at what we're losing. We're losing uh, that in-office companionship. We're losing uh, the ad hoc conversations. Um, and, And again, by the way, communication hygiene actually plays into this because if you can specifically say, this is the channel for, uh, you know, um, for HR related stuff, this is the channel for your manager, this is the channel for performance related stuff, and this is the channel for just random fun chat, well, then people will start doing it more because they don't want, you know, before if everything was going through one channel or uh, kind of all over the place, you never, people didn't want to pollute something and say, you know, hey, my CEO is messaging through this thing. I'm not going to just, you know, post a, a fun video that I saw. And so we do want to encourage that and we want to, uh, we want to make sure there's a place for it. Um, but at the end of the day, I think the most important thing um, is positive recognition. Uh, it is, it's easy um, it can be done all the time. Very rarely do people say it's happening too much. Um, and, 
it's one of those things where I can be the smallest thing. It can be something that they did that reflects your cultural values, or it can be a very big thing like hitting a goal. And so doing that often and sharing it widely um, is, uh, is I think one of the most important things. Um, and you know, again, I think one of the, the larger parts of this story is everything that we're talking about in order to success, successfully manage remote teams is just going to benefit everybody, period. These are all, none of this is new. Every, like the most amazing managers have been doing this for a long time. Uh, and so all of these new habits that we're going to be building are going to benefit us regardless of what the future looks like. Um, so uh, I think positive recognition, um, doing it early and often. And then this kind of relates into KPIs that we might talk about later, but tying it into the data that matters and the KPIs that matter to drive alignment is critical and especially critical in this time. And we need more positivity and it's up to managers and leaders to, to, to give that positivity. I completely agree. And, um, Recognition, like you said, nobody says we're recognized too much. <laughs> Stop recognizing me. Stop thanking me. Um, so let's talk about those metrics, right? And one of the ways I would assume in managing our sense of overwhelm is knowing where to focus our attention. And it's very difficult to know where to focus our attention if we don't know where we're going or how we're going to get there. So can you share examples of metrics that your clients and even maybe you at Pathlight, you and your team use as I know they're going to be somewhat dependent on the industry and the company, but in general, what are the most important metrics that, that leaders and teams should be focused on, especially today? So th this is another thing that I think has always been a, a challenge, but especially is hard in a work from home environment. Uh, just like I had said, you know, we reached, we've reached uh, peak channel, peak notification, peak comment. Um, we've also reached peak dashboard, peak report. Uh, big data has done a great job digitizing the enterprise and work and every company is in, in some process there and everyone's got dashboards and reports. I think uh, just like we want communication hygiene, data hygiene is incredibly important because um, while you know the executive loves their reports, the ops person, the analyst loves their reports, they love having 50 different KPIs to measure. When it comes to the larger group and getting the company pointed in the same direction, honestly, it's hard to get someone looking at two different things and doing them extremely well. Um, but uh, I think one of the most important things, um, and if you want you know, a catchy thing is like focus on five, right? Focus mm -hmm. five. So pick the five things that matter, no more. And ideally, really, it's three. But let's pick the five things that matter. I think if you talk to any leader and you say, hey, what are the most important KPIs? They'll probably start, you know, instantly they'll start saying, hey, one, two, three, four. And then they'll start, you know, thinking, well, I guess I care about this and this and this. So just cut it there. Those are the four ones that matter, but focus on five. So pick the most important metrics to your business. And then um, make sure that you're not just putting lagging indicators in there. So there's a concept of leading versus lagging indicator, right? Something like revenue or um, customer satisfaction is a lagging indicator. It's usually the most important thing in a business. But, you know, if CSAT is bad today, you can't fix it. It's already happened, 
right? Right. So normally you would want some sort of leading indicators as well. The things that lead into a positive customer experience or lead into revenue. And so if we're in a sales organization that by calls or customer contacts or something like that. So pick four to five metrics, make sure that you've got not only lagging indicators, which you'll probably inevitably have, but also leading indicators. And talk about those all the time, the same way, make sure that you're defining them the same way. Even something as simple as, hey, I care about week-to-day calls, month-to-day calls, and quarter-to-day calls. We're we're, we're confusing and diluting our message. You pick a couple of North Star metrics um, that are uh, actionable, and easy to understand, and then communicate them all the time. Make sure that every layer in the organization is bringing them up in one-on-ones, is doing, is is coaching against them. Leaders are pulling them up in the board in the board meeting, in the all hands, and most importantly, uh, and this is something that we we didn't we didn't realize we didn't couldn't find a solution, so we built one. Most importantly, get the frontline employee looking at them every day. Mm. Get the frontline employee. They should be able to, just like they can wake up and roll over and check the weather and see if it's going to rain without having to look at the barometer readings. They should be able to wake up or open their laptop when they're ready to start work and see exactly how they're doing against the five things that matter. No mental math required, no spreadsheets required, no barometer readings. They just know right there. Uh, so, um, Lots of thoughts on on metrics. Yeah, no, I, I, I love could, that. I could go on. I know, on. I know. I can see. I've we've tapped into a passion of yours. Clearly, yeah. you were meant to start Pathlight. Um, so I want to stay on the metrics piece. I love the focus five. We always say to our leaders as well. What are your top three priorities? Right, and often the leaders know them. And when I ask the same question of the team, uh, it's it can be deer in the headlights, or they're different. Um, so that alignment, the same messaging is so Im- important in engaging your team members and maybe even creating the metrics or, con- you know, in, in, that, in that discussion. When it comes to, and you touched on this earlier, you know, the, the managers, the well-seasoned ones, let's say, have lost their, their superpower of observation, right? That, that really enables them to check in and know where everybody is at. So how do leaders then regain that ability to know, to take a temperature check of the well-being of their team, of the culture of their team, how people are feeling? Because they may be hitting metrics, but they're pulling their hair out and working all hours and are putting on a brave face on Zoom, um, but are not necessarily satisfied or, you know, um, engaged in, in being, pro- they're, they're meeting their, their targets, but aren't feeling engaged, maybe. Yeah. Um, I think the first thing that, that we, we tell our customers is that one-on-ones have never been more important. And, and hopefully this organization, this hypothetical organization has done a good job and not every meeting is a Zoom meeting because, you know, we want, we want to make sure that people have the time to take a phone call or even do something offline or go for a walk or something like that. So there's not much time anymore to have these one-on-one conversations. And we all know that one-on-ones shouldn't be about the day-to-day, week-to-week projects and status updates. They should be about longer-term uh, goals and 
uh, important questions. The, the most important question being, how are you really doing? That has never been more important. So all of those things that we all knew we should have done ever since we became a manager, that is critical because as you said, and as we've discussed, it's really hard now to see whether someone, even though if someone's hitting goals and kind of being quantitatively successful, um, are they satisfied? Are they happy? Are they in a good place? Empathy is probably the most important uh, uh, skill uh, that has become the most critical skill uh, leading through to lead through this pandemic. And so this is really where you can work on that empathy and all of those observational skills that you know you've honed over the years. This is the this is the the hour meeting that you you leverage them uh, to the best of your ability. Um, and so again, one on ones have never been more important. Um, and uh, we really think it's it's the main way that you're going to be able to get through this, not only with a productive team, but with a happy team. I love that you mentioned not always Zoom. Uh, people are, I'm tired of myself. I'm looking at myself right now. I'm tired of looking at myself all day, right? <laughs> um, so even that idea for your one-on-ones, and this is, again, what good looks like, go f- have walks for your one-on-ones on the phone your AirPods in or whatever, and go for a walk through the park and have a one-on-one. Encourage your team members to do that. Have a team meeting outside where everybody's sitting outside um, and encourage different ways of interacting so people get out and move. I love that idea. Um, When we get back, I'd like to touch on um, building community, building culture in this new way of working. Um, so that we don't lose um, the sense of community um, in su- during such an important time and some, some different ways we can go about doing that. So stay tuned and, and we'll be back in a few short minutes. Thanks so much. Stay tuned. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. Would you like a complimentary strategy session with Leading on Purpose host Nicole Bendeley? Nicole and her team have been making it possible for leaders to achieve exceptional results with ease for over 40 years. Nicole will help you to discover what's getting in your team's way from even better results and will share with you the simple practices that will make a big difference to your performance and theirs. Visit kand.co slash strategy and book your session with Nicole today. That's kand.co slash strategy. Leading a team today can be hard, but it doesn't have to be a struggle. With Kenco's self-paced e-course, Leading High-Performance Teams, you'll gain everything you need to build the cohesion, communication, and engagement needed for your team to thrive. Right now, save 30% off the e-course. Plus, Nicole, host of Leading on Purpose, is including two coaching sessions with her at no extra charge. Use promo code VA30 when you visit K-A-N-D dot co slash ecourse that's promo code va30 it's your world motivate change succeed voiceamericaempowerment.com
You are tuned into Leading on Purpose with Nicole Bendeley. Find out more about Nicole and her company, K&Co, and check out her suite of leadership tools and resources at kand.co. Now, back to Leading on Purpose. All right, welcome back. Um, I want to start just by sharing a book that I'm reading right now, which is called Deep Work by Cal Newport. And I strongly, I see uh, Alex giving me a thumbs up here. I love this book and I strongly recommend it. It's about building the ability to focus without distraction. And I, I was reading it this morning and I came across an interesting point in the book where Newport introduces the monastic philosophy of deep work scheduling. And this philosophy attempts to maximize deep efforts by eliminating or radically minimizing shallow, what he calls shallow observ- uh, obligations, right? A, sa- a shallow observ- uh, obligation could be responding to an email that's just not important, right? But you feel this obligation to respond right away to everything that comes in. And so he introduces this, this philosophy with a quote from a famed computer scientist, David Kuth, that is found on actually Kuth's website at Stanford. And the quote is, I have been a happy man since January 1st, 1990, when I no longer had an email address. I'd used email since about 1975. And it seems to me that 15 years of email is plenty for one lifetime. Email is a wonderful thing for people whose role in life is to be on top of things, but not for me. My role is to be on the bottom of things. What I do takes long hours of studying and uninterruptible conversation. So now, of course, Alex, the majority of us can't work without email. We can't just say, forget it. I'm done. I've done my time and I'm out. I get that. But doesn't he have a good point here, right? In email and other communication mediums, really seem to be about being on top of things as opposed to going deep and and getting into really deep thought and critical thinking, which is what pushes our our world forward, that deep thinking, those decisions that, that we make together that really challenge the status quo. And so given that we're so dependent on these communication channels, how can teams teams really practice the art of deep work together to a degree and and continue to think critically when they're dispersed or virtual and and so much more reliant on technology. So I think and deep work is an amazing book. Uh, I I really, really enjoy it. Highly recommend it. Very actionable. Uh, Lots of different um, uh, great things that you could start doing immediately in there. Um, But I I, I think there's there's the first thing we should I, I should say is a is a is a disclaimer, which is I I've spoken to uh, CEOs of many totally remote companies, um, and every single one of them has said, "Listen, I love being remote, and it's great for my business, and we will stay remote." But we have yet to replicate the energy and creative output that we get when we put people in a room together. And they, they, they realize it, they, they, they recognize it, they admit it, and uh, they have a, a variety of solutions in order to, um, imp- in, in order to uh, substitute that into their, into their business. Some, some companies do uh, massive, uh, massive offsites. You know, they take all of their facilities budget that they would have spent 
and they put it into an offsite where everyone around the world flies to one location and you have a jam-packed agenda of a couple of days or a week or so where all of that creative work that you want to happen can happen. Um, of course, you can have folks do these kind of ad hoc meetings or, or, or something like that. And I'm sure there are companies that I don't know of um, that are finding a way to successfully do that um, uh, totally remotely. But the first thing is it, it's so, this is also new and I don't think we've really found a silver bullet here or a perfect substitute. So that's the first realization um, is you're not, that I don't think. It actually gives me a sense of relief <laughs> to a degree. It's just to accept where we're at and that there is no silver bullet right now. And even the best companies who work remotely are acknowledging it's, you can't replace the in-person creativity and energy. That's exactly right. So I, when 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 uh, I first heard that, I also felt super relieved. Um, and this was even a CEO who, who was running a company building remote work software. So, um, uh, but that being said, we still need to build. We still right. need to create. Um, and you know, thinking about deep work, um, I think there is. Uh, there is kind of creative work and there's, and there's deep work and, you know, they, they both can be theoretically deep, but deep work typically when I think about it is it's by yourself. You're, you're, you know, you're engaging your brain in, in as much as possible. Um, you're in the zone really. Um, and then you've got this creative work where you're bouncing ideas off of each other. You're, you've got this incredibly fast feedback loop. We've all been in that room. That's just, you know, has tons of ideas. Um, so, uh, again, the first thing is realizing that, hey, you might not be able to perfectly substitute it and you might need to, um, at least on the creative side, you might need to uh, try to find a way to actually get people in the same physical space, um, socially distanced, of course, um, and as safe as possible, uh, but that might be worth it. Um, but I think one of the most important messages that came out of deep work for me that applies to all of this is just intentionality in what you're doing. Um, one thing that I like very recently started doing, uh, my mantra is one thing at a time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, and I think, I think deep work is all about that. Um, yes. one thing at a time. And so again, um, whether it's that creative, uh, session, the mantra is, this is the only thing we're going to be doing one thing at a time. You're saying to yourself, I am doing this, you know, we, we need to solve this problem. We need to design this product one thing at a time. And it's the same thing with deep work. You can only do one thing at a time. Uh, You certainly can only do one thing at a time well. And so we're just going to focus on that. Um, uh, And so maybe that's, you know, that's doing the job and with one Chrome tab, right? Uh, With one browser tab. Right, right, right. uh, Or one application open on your desktop. Um, I think one of the the, the greatest difficulties um, has been the, the place where we work, our computer is also the place where we communicate and we get distracted. Uh, it's just a real uh, unfortunate necessity that we all have to deal with and requires a lot of discipline. Um, so uh, this one thing at a time mantra is actually, and this is, this is only a couple of weeks old for me, but it's been incredibly valuable um, because what it does is it eliminates distractions mm-hmm. because um, if you're always thinking to yourself, what's the one thing I'm doing right now? Well, if you're looking at your phone, you're on Twitter, well, then that's the thing that you're doing. And then you have to make a choice when you realize that. Is that going to be my one thing right now? Or is that not my one thing right now? You know, am I actually supposed to be writing something? Um, and it also gives you permission to be intentional about your distraction time, which is totally fine. Your unwinding time, your relaxing time. 
or your time watching your TV with your significant other or, you know, being with your children. Um, uh, this one thing at a time, I think mantra is, is, is incredibly, uh, it's been val- very valuable to me. I can imagine. And that, uh, I love that you connected that to not just one thing at a time at work. I'm thinking of family sitting around the dinner table, one thing at a time, let's focus on each other and enjoying this meal, right. And catching up or, you know, whatever it might be. Um, and scheduling your time. So are you seeing, I'm seeing this and it makes me happy that I'm seeing it more and more people actually scheduling in their calendar time for focused work. This time is my time to do this one thing. Do not, I'm not going to, you know, I'm, I'm busy. Are you seeing that as well? I, I am. Um, and uh, of course, uh, we have to realize that a lot of this is dependent on the culture that you are, right. uh, that you work in and your managers, um, uh, and how they respect your time. Uh, but, uh, in those companies where time is respected, um, I'm seeing that a lot at Pathlight. Um, uh, we actually have very few meeting, very few blocks that are available for meetings now. So at least for me personally, eight through 11 AM every day, I, I don't have meetings. And that actually came directly from the book, deep work. Find the time that you're most productive. And I think Jeff Bezos does this too. Find the time that your brain is most active. Maybe it's during the morning. Maybe it's in the evening. Block off that time. You should not be having meetings at, your, at that time. And, and un- unless that meeting is the most important thing you should be working through, right? The thing that requires as much mental bandwidth as possible. Um, and then on Tuesdays and Thursdays from 12 to 5 p.m., we have no meeting blocks. And actually what it is, um, theory, and it's kind of an opt, it's an opt-in, this part's an opt-in, but there's also a no communication block, no Slack block, no, uh, right. no email, or certainly there's an expectation that no one could, needs to respond to anything. Um, and again, circling back, we do have a channel for emergencies. And that is a channel that can be used during that time. And people feel totally fine turning off their communication, turning their phone off or, or, or silencing it and just focusing on deep work. Oh, giving people that freedom to do that. It's part of what good looks like. It's part of what good looks like. And so you mentioned culture. How, how is culture being stretched right now or impacted in, in this world of work? And what can leaders and teams, and we're focusing a lot on leaders here, but it's everybody's responsibility. Everybody plays a role here. Um, do to maintain that sense of community and continue to build an engaged culture, a, a culture that's healthy and engaged and productive. A, a lot of the ways to do that, I think, haven't changed. They've just become more important. Now, now, now you really have to do You're that. Right. Be, mm-hmm. Because again, you got so much for free when you were next to people. <laughs> and you got to go to lunch together. And you got to go get coffee together. Now, we are social animals. So you've got all of that for free. And so now you have to work for all of it. And so, you know, you need to uh, make an effort to schedule uh, virtual happy hours or lunch and learns or even just team lunches um, or some sort of get together. You have to make um, an effort to create human connection um, and, uh, and celebrate each other. Um, you know, you probably didn't realize how much positive recognition was happening in the office because it was just so offhand and fast. You know, it wasn't a big thing. You know, I'm going to bring Nicole up at the all hands and celebrate her for doing this amazing thing. It was super small. Like, Nicole, great call. That was it. 
right? Like that, that was it. And by the way, the best way to create alignment on KPIs is through positive recognition on those KPIs. And so um, you, again, you got all of that for free. And so um, now you really have to work for it. And as we said, folks overcorrected and they got uh, on the data side, they got micromanagey and they, they went into almost the, I mean, some orgs even bought surveillance software to like, monitor what people were doing. Um, and then they got over communicative, right? Uh, lots of check-ins, lots of Zoom calls, lots of, lots of, lots of video. Um, uh, and again, the intentions, the intentions were pure. Um, but I think in an uh, to me, a work from home world is an offline world. And, uh, there, and, and, mm. and I think one of the biggest benefits, hopefully, is going to be an increase in deep work because it's easier to, hopefully it's easier if you, if you can, to actually, all you have to do is quit an application on your computer and you, are, you can actually, you can actually work, work more deeply. And so, um, but, but again, the, the cultural component here is super important. One of the things that we tell all of our customers is we need to move from a command and control culture to a yes. trust and verify culture, right? Yes, yes, absolutely. I, I work with leaders and earlier on in the pandemic, there was a lot of fear and concern. How do I make sure they're being productive and actually working? I can't see them anymore. And my question was always, did you trust their work ethic before COVID, right? They're the same people. We're experiencing a lot of change. Let's let's have the same level of trust. And as you said, Alex, more empathy and understanding and more meaningful conversation and coaching so that we can support each other, communicate in a way that will help us all and support us all and know exactly what it is that we're working towards and how we're going to work together through this and beyond. So that we're actually setting the stage today for change that will keep coming. If we can, if we know what good looks like now and know how to get there, then we're, we're creating the formula for leading through other change that's going to be coming. So Alex, you've shared a lot of, of tips with us and, and really great strategies. I love so many of them. Focus five, you know, no more than one thing at a time have very clear metrics, um, know what good looks like, clarify expectations, recognize, recognize, recognize um, in order to strengthen our culture and, and engagement. So thank you so much. And I really encourage everybody to check out pathlight.com. This performance management software is not just performance management. It's a way to build engagement. It's a way to build satisfaction and, and, and real teamwork. Um, through a software that that will save you time as well. And and don't forget to check out kand.co and sign up for our newsletter to uh, get some tips and strategies directly from me as well on Leading on Purpose. Thanks so much, Alex. I wish you and your team all the best. Thanks for joining me today. Likewise, Nicole. That was fun. Thank you. Thanks so much. All the best, everyone. Thank you for joining us this week. Please tune in again for another edition of Leading on Purpose with your host, Nicole Bendeley, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel next Monday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time. Have a wonderful week.